welcome to Awaken Podcast. I hope you enjoy the teaching. Uh, one thing I will say before we jump in today is uh, we had a, a special meeting last Sunday night for a uh, potential space uh, conversation at Awaken, and we were trying to record that, and I think I crossed some wires, uh, and we didn't actually get the audio for that. So if you weren't there and wanted to be, I'm just going to give like a two-minute update. If you're new, just bear with us for a moment. We've been in this space for about four years. Uh, it feels like we keep hitting the ceiling of the capacity here at the Joke Joint. I mean, I saw a couple of you walk in today, and you're, everyone's kind of like looking for seats. The lighting is great here. And um, it's a bar, for crying out loud, which has been cool in some ways. But so we're talking about what would it look like to sort of relocate this community. Uh, we've been in conversation with a church across the river over here. It's about two miles from door to door. It's called St. James Catholic Church. It's been abandoned, not abandoned, it's been empty. Uh, to, they just left, they just left town. Nobody knows where they went. It's like, wow, you know, the new, the new Left Behind movie's coming out. I'm not, I'm not sure about that. Nicholas Cage, wow, okay. Sorry, I, we're going to put that aside. So St. James, they merged with another parish up the street. And so this building has been empty for about two, two and a half years now. And, uh, you know, huge change, right? And comedy club with a bar to an old Catholic church. So, but we feel like there's, a, for a lot of reasons, it's a, it's a, uh, it feels like a, the right next step. We have a, a team of people who have been really praying and discerning about this. And so right now, as it stands, we've committed to nothing. We haven't bought anything. We will not be buying anything. This is a rental uh, situation. The property is for sale or lease. And so we've put a proposal to St. James to say, here are some terms that we think would be good for us and advantageous for our community. And we're kind of waiting to hear back. We're playing poker in some ways, right? Like we want to kind of see what their, uh, what their hand is. And so we're waiting to hear back from them and we're, we're waiting, which is just <clears throat> maddening. I keep emailing, you know, like, hey, Eric, how's it going? Any, any news over there? You know, at the Vatican or the diocese or you know, whoever's making this call, you know, send up a smoke signal. You know, we're ready. So don't they do that at the Vatican? Like smoke? Yeah, okay. Is there any more light out of the house lights in here, Ian? If you've got it, like crank it. And if not, then get out your phones and flashlights, everybody. So last, okay, we're done with that. Moving right along. Last week, uh, we, we were in a series on Moses. Uh, this is week five of that. And um, Claudette shared a little bit about artists in residence. And man, that was just so pure. I don't know if you were here for that. It's on the podcast if you missed it. Just, ugh, so well said. And I really appreciate it. And, uh, and we studied this, this, this episode at the burning bush. We have Moses at the burning bush. Even if you don't know anything about the Bible, more often than not, when you ask somebody, like, who was the guy that was at the burning bush? People would be like, oh, Moses, right? Or, wasn't that Charlton Heston? <laughs> yeah, that's the guy. So this is a huge story. It, it, it's, it's known by many. And I... We're going to dig a little bit deeper on the Bush uh, episode here. Moments like this in Scripture usually have more force than a three-point sermon. And so I like to kind of hover around these and just sit with them for a few hours, days, weeks uh, to really kind of ponder, give them a chance to speak and open up and breathe. Uh, the rabbis would often say that the Scriptures are like a gem, like a diamond. And the, 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 so there's this phrase that the, the Torah has 70 faces. And as you turn Torah just ever so slightly and nuance it and look at it, you get these different gleams of light that sort of were, are available to you that weren't before. And so that's what we want to do this morning. So I, I would invite you to stand if you can, and we'll read from God's word, Exodus chapter 3, starting in verse 4. 
When the Lord saw that he had gone over to look, God called to him within the bush, Moses, Moses. And Moses said, here I am. Verse 5, do not come any closer, God said. You are standing on holy ground. Then he said, I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. And at this, Moses hid his face because he was afraid to look at God. Pray with me. God, as we open this text in this book, this divinely inspired and uh, partnership between you and the people who've written it, uh, we ask that you would make it alive for us today, that it would become something new and fresh, that it would not be two-dimensional, black and white words on a page, but that it would be the living word of God, that the person that it attests to Jesus would be in spirit, alive and well in this place, uh, in us. And so move us, shake us, invite us, do whatever it is that you need to do in us uh, to call us out of darkness and into light, to make us more a people of love, to make us, uh, to, to, to our capacity to grow and ascribe worth to others, uh, that that would expand, I pray. And all God's people said, amen. amen. You can have a seat Three questions I want you to ponder this morning. I want to invite you to ponder. Some teachings are uh, sort of a long um, journey in one direction where uh, each element kind of builds on the other and then there's one kind of nugget at the end. Some teachings end up being sort of just letting the text speak for itself. Some teachings end up being a little bit of translating where here's what's being offered and then let me as, as pastor, uh, a pastor, let me try to offer some translation. This is a text that I want to just offer three questions. These are questions that I don't think are very arresting. I don't think they're terribly provocative or, you know, I'm not going to, I don't think I'm going to bother anybody with these questions, but I think they're really important questions that are being, uh, that the text is inviting us to kind of live in. So that's what I want to do today. Um, there are some moments in scripture that just carry more weight where along the way, as you read the scriptures, there are certain stories or moments or words that just sort of pop off the page, and like a good classic book, they just last, right? For humans, thousands of years ago to now, they just always speak, and they have life around them. Uh, it's a bit, I played hockey growing up, and so it's a bit like, you know, two hands on your stick and put your stick on the ice. It's just a basic, and if you learn to sort of integrate this and make it a part of you as a hockey player, you're going to be better off. You're going to have more opportunities. You're not going to get chewed out by your coach. You're not going to look like an idiot out there. Just put your stick on the ice, two hands on it. In, liter in, in literature, it's like read the classics, right? They just never grow old. They're always in style. If you can learn that and integrate that, you're, it's going to pay out. It's going to, you're going to be on the track towards wisdom. I think that this is one of those moments and one of those words in particular in the scriptures that just continues to be played on again and again and again in the scriptures. And we'll find that there's this one word that I want to camp on for a bit that you find over and over and over in really, really important moments in scripture. As people who read the Bible and who are trying to learn how to interpret it, you should pay attention to these kinds of words. I would, I would offer that to you as, a, uh, uh, as an admonition as your pastor that there are words or moments and stories that they just come back again and again. And when they do, the, the writers of Scripture are trying to tell us something, as if to say, or as if they're saying, like, Psst, hey, this one's really important. I've said it like 14 times now. You should listen. 
You ever done that with your kids before? Never, never, of course, never. So this is one of those moments, and this is one of those words. We have the bush, and we have this one word. So question number one is, what is hineni? Now, if you've been around Awaken uh, any length of time, you've probably heard me use this word in passing. And so I want to just explore it a little bit. The Bible is written in two different languages, primarily. It's Hebrew in the Old Testament and Greek in the New Testament. There's a little bit of Aramaic in the New Testament as well. But primarily, it's, it's Hebrew and Greek. This is an Old Testament passage, the book of Exodus, and so we're, we're working with Hebrew here, and the word hineni is a Hebrew word. Now, if you've done any linguistic study before, you know that often, especially in some of these older languages, there are words that just don't have an equivalent, or there's, a, there's an idea that's wrapped up in this language, in this culture, this people group, and when they say it, everybody knows what it is, but for us in English, it's just hard to translate it. This word is just so big and so much bigger than what it gets translated as. The word hineni, I would, I would argue, is one of the most important words in all of the Old Testament because it shows up in nearly every major character in the book of Genesis, which is arguably the opening of Torah. Uh, Torah is the first five books of the Bible. It's almost, it, almost every single character, a main character in Genesis, has a Hineni moment. And many, many, many big characters in the Old Testament have these moments where they say Hineni. Genesis 22, 1 and 11, Abraham, you remember this guy, he's tested by God and he's asked to go take his son Isaac to a place called Mount Moriah, which ends up being the Temple Mount in Jerusalem, to sacrifice his son Isaac. His response to God both times, God says, Abraham, and his response is Hineni. Genesis 27, 1, Esau responds to his father, Isaac, who asks him, Isaac, my son, and Esau's response is, Hineni, here I am. Genesis 31, 11, and then in 46, verse 2, Jacob, who becomes Israel, two different times is, is spoken to by an angel. The first time when he's at the, he wrestles with the angel and his name is changed, and then the second time when his brothers come to see him in Egypt, He's asked by an angel, or his name is spoken by an angel, and his response again is Hineni. And then we have, of course, Genesis 37, and Joseph, the, you know, the technicolor dream coat, he responds to his father Jacob when he says, uh, go to see the, to the shalom of your brothers. Jacob's response is Hineni. We have Exodus 3, we have Moses here. Um, and this, is, this goes on and on. I could do a whole, I could just bore you for the next half an hour of all the, all the instances. You remember Eli and, and Samuel? When Samuel has the dream and his name is Samuel, Samuel, and his response Hineni. So what does Hineni really mean? It's translated, here I am. What does it mean to say Hineni to God? Because in almost every one of these instances, I should, say, I should say, in the majority of these instances, it's the divine voice speaking to a character and their response is almost always Hineni. What is being said here? What does it mean to say, here I am, to God when God speaks your name. I think it, it means at least a couple of things. One, it means that you've heard God speak to you. It means that your ears are open, your eyes are open, your heart is somewhat at least soft and open to the voice of God. And this, is, this, this doesn't just happen, right? Uh, it means that you, you know yourself well enough to be fully present, to be able to say, here I am. When your kids are saying your name four and five times and you have your cell phone in your hand, your response isn't Hineni, okay? It's a totally different kind of moment. That's like, what? 
that's not, that's not Hineni. Or, you know, like, here I am, I'm right here. No, that's not. Hineni is like present. Here I am. I think people in the East who wear meditation is much more a part of culture and sort of, uh, I'll, maybe I'll back up. In the West, among evangelicals, there's this aversion oftentimes to being quiet and stilling and quieting your heart and your mind because we think it's something about nirvana and Buddhism and all kinds of other crazy things that's, that are real. And so we, we tend not to do it. But it's that kind of stillness and presence of mind that you need to say, here I am, God. Because it's all in. It's all of me. You know, like, what's that guy, John Legend? He gets it right. All of me, he loves all of you, love your curves and all your edges, your perfect, your, <laughs> your perfect imperfections, I give your all. Oh. Yeah, it's a good song. It's all of you that you know in that moment to all of God that you understand. That's Hineni. All of you that you know in that moment to all of God that you understand. Do you remember the moments that you've said Hineni to God? Do you know that one of the most common invitations to Israel in the Old Testament is remember? <laughs> Do you want to know why? Because I think we forget Yes, thank you very much. As humans, like we forget things. And so over and over and over and over in the story of God, you find God telling Israel, remember, don't forget that I brought you out of Egypt and I saved you and I did these things. Don't forget. And in fact, I'll go so far as to give you these days, these festivals, Passover, Sukkot, all these days to remember what God has done. Don't forget. Do you remember the moments when you have said, because these moments that Israel is trying to remember, these are like Hineni kinds of moments. Do you remember any of those moments? I can remember when I was 14, as a skinnier, hard to believe, uh, smaller, <laughs> uh, you know, just pipsqueak of a high school student. And I, and on, a, on a shore in, of Lake Michigan in downtown Chicago, I gave all of me that I knew which, let's be honest, for a 14-year-old boy, that's not much. All of me that I knew to God, all, that, all of God that I could understand in that moment. That was one of my first remember, memorable, or one of the first memories that I have of really saying Hineni to God. You know, a number of moments in college along the way. Hopefully, marriage is one of those moments. If it wasn't, I'm guessing there's probably issues. <laughs> that's a joke. When I planted this church, I remember being on the shores of, of Malax. I have a picture on my phone so that I don't forget. Of that day, when I heard God's voice so clearly, I said, God, do you want me to do this or not? And what I heard was, <laughs> this is dynamite. I felt like I heard God say, Micah, what do you want? <laughs> Does anybody remember another guy saying that to somebody? do you want to be healed? What do you want? And I said, I want to do something I've never done. I want to like, I want my, I want to live on the edge. I want faith to have to be present or we're all sunk. And what I heard was, 
okay. <laughs> that was my call to church planting. <laughs> so then it was sort of like, well, Geronimo, you know, let's do this. Hineni, all of me, right there in that moment. When I went to Israel, I shared a little bit about that. And there may be one Hineni moment that changes everything. But then there are these moments along the way when we become awakened to these things that God is doing in our lives so that we say Hineni once at the beginning, here I am for the first time, all of me, God. And hopefully we begin to learn to say that again and again and again. And as we grow in faith, God continues to invite us further and further into the mystery that is the divine. Here's another interesting question. What does it mean to say Hineni to another person? Do you know people like this? Who are just always present. They're there. They're not preoccupied. They're not thinking about something else. Maybe you know the opposite. You know that person who's just like, they're just not present when you're with them. And you think to yourself, where are you? That's, that's the antithesis. But those people who are like, here I am. Again, hopefully marriage was one of those moments. But there are people, friends that you may have who fit this bill. And here's a really interesting one to think about. What does it mean? Joke joint, how can I help you? You need any tickets? We have a couple of good shows this weekend. Yeah, we just got a new one on tap. No, they actually don't have tap here, just bottles. Um, what does it mean that God says he need to you? I mean, you know, this is church and all, and we're Christians, and we just kind of go, well, Jesus, duh, thanks, that's the answer. Hey, what's gray, has bushy tails, and climbs trees and eats nuts? Well, I think it sounds like a squirrel, but I know the answer is Jesus. <laughs> yeah, okay, we think, yeah, Jesus, right? Okay, he's, but, but listen, gang, we're talking about the divine. We're talking about the creator of the universe, the ineffable, unspeakable, uncharacterizable enigma that we call God says he nanny to you. Here I am, all of me. Game changer. That's a different version of God than I've heard of in a lot of places. God is not absent. God is not far away. God has not checked out. God has not left the building. He is not with Elvis. Right here. What does it mean to say that God says Hineni to you? makes God's self totally, fully present to everything that you're feeling, experiencing, in the midst of your pain, your grief, your anxiety, your fear, your joy, your unadulterated, giggling happiness. God is present. That's the kind of God we're talking about here, guys. So, first question, what is Hineni? Second question, where is there? This is not a Dr. Seuss book that I'm writing, but look at verse 5. What does it say? As, okay, let me, let me find it so that I, I don't misquote it. Right, verse 5. Do not come any closer, God said. Take off your sandals for the place that you are standing is holy ground. 
I just find this fascinating, right? Moses is there. I mean, can you just imagine with me in your brain, like you're, you're out in the desert, you're wandering around with some sheep, you're a shepherd, and all of a sudden you see this bush that's like on fire, en fuego, like what's happening over there? So you wander over, and there it is. I mean, was Moses like meted drew away, or could he like feel the heat? Wherever Moses was, God says, stop, don't move. At which point you're kind of like, okay. You're like, what's happening next? Is the bush going to eat me alive? Am I, am I going to be consumed by a fireball from the bush? Like, what happens next? But God says to Moses, don't move. You're there. Stop trying to get closer. Stop trying to manufacture some kind of an experience. Stop. Tr- no, you're there. Do you guys remember when I say um, the idea or the word like a, a camp high, like a summer camp high? How many of you kind of know what I'm talking about? First hour, people were like, are you encouraging our kids to smoke weed? Like, what on earth are you talking about, dude? No, I'm not talking about THC. I'm talking about when kids go to camp, and they come back. And I remember being a camp counselor, and we set these kids up, right? We're like, listen, you know what's going to happen at the end of this week? You're going to have to go home to the big, bad world where you're going to have to figure out how to live without God because God's not there. They may say God's not dead, but back home off the mountain, it's going to be tough, gang. And so we, like, set these kids up for this, you know, you're on the mountain here, and God's here, and it's like, whoa, Jesus, yeah! And then you have to go back to work, uh, or you got to go talk to your sister, and everybody knows what a pain in the neck she is. You know, and, like, or, or, or the other one, like, oh, Hillsong's coming to town, we got to go, because the last time God showed up, and it was like, Jesus, Jesus, you know, you know what I'm talking about, right? We know these people. And this is not a new phenomenon, by the way, where we sort of like memorialize these, these, these experience or these places even, right? Matthew chapter 17, Jesus takes a couple of his knucklehead buddies, James and John, uh, Peter and, and, and John, up on top of this mountain. And, and so, the, like, you know, it's Mount Tabor. It's, it's uh, this huge, like, transcendent moment where Jesus, you know, the spirit of God comes down, and it's like, it's like Hillsong's come to town, guys. Jesus! You know, like, and what do they try to do? They're like, let's build a tabernacle. Let's build a tent so we can come back and get a buzz anytime we need it. You know, Jesus buzz. And Jesus is like, what, what, are, you think, what are you talking about? Don't build a tent. Like, as if the only place you can worship God or get that kind of buzz is in this place. But does anybody notice when God says, don't move, stop, don't come any closer? I mean, look at how it plays out, right? Moses, Moses, Moses says, here I am, don't move. What if the place there is anywhere you say, Hineen? Your cube at work? Yeah. Possible. Take off your shoes. This is holy ground. Your neighbor who just doesn't mow his lawn and doesn't clean up after his dogs? Like, ew, gross. Possible. What if Hineni is the prerequisite for there? What if there is wherever you have the courage to say, to God. Here I am. No masks, 
no pretenses, no games, no trying to be something I'm not, just all of me. I mean, this is like skin to skin. There's nothing between you and God. That's Hineni. And when you're there, you're there. Stop trying. Don't, don't vie to do it. Don't try to, don't try to, just, you're there. Think about all the ways that we try. And we, 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 hope, we hope to like say something, do something, participate in something that God might you know, be pleased with or God's not going to be angry at. And, and we just try and try. And these mountaintop experiences, the danger isn't in those experiences because let's be honest, right? A great song that has a crescendo, it does something that words can't do. That's why it's special those mountaintop experiences, they're special. But the danger is when we think that that's the only place God is. God is in your brokenness and in your loneliness and in your despair. When you have the courage to say, here I am, don't move. You're there. Hineni, what does it mean to say Hineni. Where is there? Last question. What is sacred space? And this is a real interesting conversation. How many of you have heard that phrase before, like sacred space or sacred and secular or sacred and profane, right? There are these things that are sacred and set apart. The word that's translated here is kadosh. It means holy or set apart. So there are things that are set apart. And then there are these other things that are sort of like everything else, profane or secular. And so we talk about, you know, like Christian music or is, is that a Christian CD? Or is that a Christian book that you're reading there? Which is a terrible adjective, by the way. Uh, uh, and and uh, literally, I was just listening to Pandora yesterday, and I, was, I had it on the Gunger station, and I was looking at the bio, and it says this, literally. It said, while not associating with Christian music, Gunger's lyrics are deeply spiritual. This is great. Like, whatever that is, you know, that sort of, like, is that a Christian band? They're like, we don't want to participate in that. Whatever that is, we're not interested but there, we do this where we sort of delineate and separate that which is sacred and that which is secular. This is an interesting conversation in scripture because it actually has a progression. And I think to stop here where we do this sort of sacred and profane, sacred and secular, actually misses out on where the scriptures are inviting us to. Let me see if I can explain this. The word kadosh, it's translated holy. It means set apart. For a billion Torah points, what, okay, this moment right here in Exodus 3 is the first time something other than what has been previously called holy is called holy. The only thing that's been called holy up to this point in Scripture is what for a billion Torah points? Not God. Good guess. I mean, it's not Jesus either. It's not a squirrel. Think Genesis 1 and 2. Shabbat. It's the only thing in the Scriptures up to this point that's been set up heart as holy, right? Work six days, rest on one day. Why? Because this day is kadosh. And now, in this moment, an actual space is set apart as holy. Very, very interesting. And the word that's used here when it's talking about the place is hamakom. Uh, if you take notes, it'll be on the screen behind me. Hamakom 
is a, is a really, really juicy little nugget because this word, it shows up in some of these, uh, these moments. Genesis 22, Abraham is tested. He goes to, he's invited to go to Mount Moriah and go to the place. It's used four times here to designate the place where God will meet him. Uh, or, sorry, excuse me, Hamakom is also used in Genesis 28 in relation to the place where Jacob wrestles with God and his name is changed. How beautiful is this place? Surely God is in this place and I was not aware of it. Hamakom, okay? Now, this is a quote from a rabbi. In rabbinic literature of the first and second AD century, it has already been seen and the word Hamakom literally has come to mean God because it is seen as the place in scripture where people meet Abba and therefore is used as one of the names of God. Hamakom is the place where we meet Abba and we hear his voice and we know in our being what's being asked of us. Go to Mount Moriah, sacrifice your son. I'll, I'll meet you there. Now, it's interesting, right? We have Shabbat, the only thing called Kadosh. Then we have these places. And again, it's Genesis 22, it's Genesis 28, it's Exodus 3. It's all of the places in the temple that are set apart as holy in Leviticus. And then we have the New Testament and the New Covenant and something else that seems to be happening here. Jesus and the Spirit in the book of Acts the Spirit of God, which was confined to the Holy of Holies, is now sort of like busted open, and you have the Spirit of God loose in the world and indwelling the people of God wherever they are. And it seems to me that the third chapter here is that the story of Acts is inviting, is broadening, is widening, and enlarging the territory that one might call Hamakom, the place or Kadosh, holy. I love the Old Testament. I think... I love understanding it so that we can make more sense of Jesus and the New Testament. I love that stuff, but we must never forget that we are a new covenant people written in the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus. And that it would be, it would, it would be beneficial for us not to stop here, but go into what God is inviting us to, which I would submit to you is anything and everything that is life-giving, generative, where the Spirit of God is present, where there is light and not darkness, where there is life and not death, is hamakom. It's the place. It's holy. And it's wherever you go because the Spirit of God is in you. So this idea of, oh, that's, sac that's a sacred space or that's, that's you know, holy or whatever, and this place isn't, is actually just incorrect theology. Wherever you go, the Spirit of God goes with you as a person who follows God. So whatever it is you find yourself in, even in the darkest of places, there is light there. That which is kadosh, holy, set apart. There was a time in Scripture when it was only Shabbat. Then there was a time in Scripture where there were places that were set aside. And now it seems to me that there is this invitation that we sang it in the first song. Holy, 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 the earth is yours. Everything that God called good, God wants back. So, we left a little bit more time at the end today because we want to have some time to reflect and sing together. And uh, So I'm going to offer just a word of prayer. I'll ask Josh and the worship team to come. But these three questions. What does it mean to say hineni? To God, to each other, to, for God to say it to us. Where is there and what is sacred space? Pray with me if you would. God, as we continue uh, to just make ourselves available to you, I pray that you would shine a light on our hearts. 
that maybe there are here some here today who have never said Hineni to you for whatever reasons, for whatever questions are unanswered, whatever fear or anxiety comes with that idea of putting the masks down and the pretensions down and the, the vying and the trying or the protecting, whatever, is, whatever comes with that, God, I pray that in these moments that you would, you would break through, that the light that was present in the darkest of darkness in the beginning where your spirit hovered over the water would now be present in this, in this place right here today. For those of us who have fear or anxiety or uh, some kind of objection to fully saying, here I am, all of me, whatever part of our hearts that we're just not willing to give up, would you speak to us? Would you speak what is true to us? Here we are, God. Here you are. I usually don't write benedictions, but I did for today. Um, so if you're seated, I'd ask you to stand if you can and receive this benediction and blessing. May you come to know that all of life is sacred and holy, that God is dripping from every moment and offered to you in every interaction. May you see that your work, and your efforts, your knitting, your play, your parenting, your music, your building, it's all kadosh and holy. When you say hineni to the one who it and gave it to you as a gift. Grace and peace. Love you guys. Find us online at www.awakencommunity.com or on Facebook at www.facebook.com backslash awakening community or on Twitter at awakening community. See you next time.